Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. morning again to those of you joining us in the second hour. You should go listen to the first hour. Yeah, there you go. You can do so uh, at MyFaithRadio.com. Paul Perot will very dutifully post it as a podcast uh, in just a couple of hours, and you'll be able to go there. You can stream it. You can you can always go and like on the Faith Radio app, and you can listen to prior episodes and share them with others. Encourage you to do that. Be a radio missionary. Um, all right. My Where in the Word Are You Today comes from First Peter. And when we think about um, the verse, you know, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you, which is First uh, Peter 3.15. I'm wondering if we think about it in context, because um, we need to be living with an expectation. It needs to not be like a constant surprise to us that people don't like Christians or say nasty things about us. Like we are supposed to live with an expectation. If you've, if you've read the New Testament, you know that there, there is a, an expectation that Christians are going to be reviled in the culture. And so um, if that's a surprise to you, reread the New Testament. Um, First Peter is a good one to turn to on this topic. And reading First Peter 3.15, which is, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you uh, and do so with gentleness and respect. Like that's the verse we've all memorized, but it comes in the context of a conversation about um, suffering, about persecution. So I'm going to read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. And again, that's not the whole context either. So go read the passage um, in its fuller context. But here we go, beginning at verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them. Do not be troubled. But instead, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So let's just be mindful today uh, that we are certainly called to give public testimony and witness for the hope that is within us. We are called to do so um, in ways that are reasonable, gentle, respectful of others. Um, we are to be people who behave rightly and righteously, what is uh, characterized here as good behavior, uh, even when others behave badly. Let us be mindful of that as we walk our faith out in the world that God so loves. All right, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In is up next.
from Focus on the Families Plugged In is back. Welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. All right. So we are going to see how many of these reviews we can do. Um, so right. let's uh, let's jump in. We have today Raya, Raya and the Last Dragon. Yep. This is a movie that is a premium movie streaming on Disney Plus, which means uh, if you have Disney Plus, you have access to it, but it'll cost you twenty nine ninety nine. It is also in theaters. Yeah, this is a you know they're considering this a major release, and honestly, of everything that they have uh, charged that kind of money for, this one might actually be worth it. Um, I really liked this movie. Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon is set in an imaginary sort of uh, – well, it's a Chinese sort of culture, but it's not technically China. But it it definitely has that vibe, and, and obviously China has become a huge part of Hollywood's equation. So we're seeing more and more movies that integrate a Chinese worldview uh, and or Chinese characters, and that's the case here. It is a really, really, really convoluted plot, so I'm going to cut to the chase. This is about a princess named Raya who teams up with the last dragon to reunite five countries that have been at war with each other, and she has to do that by um, gathering a magical crystal from each one. It used to be one crystal, but it got broken, and everybody got a fragment. And uh, the problem with the crystal being broken is that it kept... Um, this evil force known as the Droon at bay. And the Droon is sort of this big purplish black cloud monsters that turn people into stone. Uh, And so Raya picks up people as she goes in each place. And uh, it becomes really, I think, an allegory for a whole bunch of things. Uh, The biggest emphasis really is on trust. Um, There's a huge emphasis on forgiveness. And there's the implication that the Droon represents the worst of humankind unleashed. And so it turns us to stone. Uh, and Raya and her dragon friend basically succeed in reversing that process. So this is not a Christian movie at all, but it is absolutely loaded with easy spiritual parallels that you can walk over in all kinds of directions. We can talk about sin. We can talk about forgiveness. We can talk about second chances, uh, you know, and obviously there's a Chinese mythology here too, but um, really fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Beautiful film. uh, And I think one that could offer a lot of opportunity to talk about spiritual issues. All right. And apparently it, uh, the hashtag is Raya Eiultimato Dragon, which doesn't sound like it's in English. And maybe that's an indication of the uh, worldwide market of this particular film. All right, um, probably yeah. closer to um, America. <clears throat> SpongeBob is apparently back. <laughs> Tell us about Camp Coral. Uh, well, there's actually two SpongeBob things. So there's the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, and then there's <laughs> the new show, SpongeBob Camp Coral, which is kind of a throwback to earlier in SpongeBob's life. Listen, with SpongeBob, you either you either dig I hate it or you don't. It. I just, I just yeah. go ahead. No, I just, I just, there, it's just not one of my, yeah. There, there's not much middle ground with SpongeBob. <laughs> and the thing is, like, three minutes of SpongeBob is like somebody dancing on your last nerve. Uh, <laughs> I get why people hate it. Now, that said, my daughters went through a SpongeBob phase about a year ago, 
And I watched a bunch of it with them. And once you get past the grating, annoying, the voices, the frenetic stuff, the fairly inappropriate on a very mild, you know, dirty underwear kind of level that pops up now and then, um, they rarely get totally naughty, but it's more just the kind of stuff that grates on parents. Um, SpongeBob has a really big heart and he really cares deeply about his friends. And so there's this, there's this earnest innocence to his story mingled into all this other stuff that rightly gets on your nerves. So let me just say that there's, that's definitely the case here. SpongeBob's best friend, Gary, who's a snail gets kidnapped or snail napped as he says, and SpongeBob and Patrick go after him. Uh, it's a combination animated live action movie. And so we get all sorts of weird characters. If you see on our homepage, we've got a picture of C of Keanu Reeves in a sage bush, you know, and he shows up and says, I'm sage. Really? I'm, I'm sick. I mean, that's sort of the level of humor we're dealing with here. So, um, and we, you know, we got one character that has a gambling problem here. That's probably the biggest issue. Um, but if you're familiar with SpongeBob, you'll know exactly what to expect. If your kids insist that, you know, we really want to watch it, there might be more here to pull out than you realize, but still some stuff to navigate. All right. We have listeners uh, weighing in. People uh, turned to stone or characters turned to stone. Uh, sounds C.S. Lewis-esque. Um, yeah, there's uh -huh. definitely that. Uh, hearts turned to stone. There's a good thread line maybe to pull. And certainly the yep. story of um, uh, the woman turned to the pillar of salt. So, yeah, there you go. You guys are getting it. You're getting what we're doing here. You're, you're, you're picking up what we're laying down. All right. Adam Holtz and I have to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, well, you guys need to check out some other reviews at Plugged In. There's just a ton of them right now. Punky Brewster's yeah. reviewed. Lewis and Clark is reviewed. Um, want to do one minute on Lewis and Clark before we go to a break and then come back and change gears and talk about the Joker is Jesus? That sounds great. All right. Let's do one minute on Lewis and Clark. Go. This is the latest iteration of uh, the Superman story, and it's actually called Superman and Lois. What's interesting here is it's not a straight-up reboot. It is them later in life. They are raising kids. Uh, it's a Superman show, but it is a family show more than we have seen from Superman before. So this is a Superman that actually feels a little bit different. Uh, and apart from a little bit of language, um, and some mildly PG-13-y kind of innuendo, this is a pretty clean show. So different kind of superhero show. All right. There you go. Good job. That's Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. <laughs> All right, continuing my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can find a bunch of what we're talking about today at PluggedIn.com. All right, Adam, um, I confess that I read a piece that I did not understand. <clears throat> and so I thought I would come to you, actually a couple of them this week. I thought I would come to you for Splainers, Joker, Jesus. I, You know, I don't like seeing those two words together. What's nope. going on um, predictions for New Justice League Joker Jesus? So this is a complicated story. In 2017, Justice League came out. Uh, director Zack Snyder, who's done a lot of pretty nasty stuff and some pretty dark superhero stuff. He did Man of Steel, uh, had started off on the project. Uh, he ended up leaving. Joss Whedon finished it. 
people pretty much hated Justice League. Well, Zack Snyder kept a four-hour cut, a black-and-white cut of his movie, um, because it was radically different than the finished product. And somehow that information leaked out. Fans started asking for it. And so now it is coming, and it's going to be called the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And there have been some still photographs released, and one of those is Joker with his hands up looking to the sky, and he has a crown of thorns on. So um, here's two things. Zack Snyder is a provocateur. He loves to get a reaction. And he often does that in ways that are pretty offensive. And I think that you're right to say, you know what, this is pretty disturbing. Um, without any context, though, I think we need to hold off judgment in terms of what his intent is. You know, if he's just trying to mock Jesus, then we have a problem. But the interesting thing is that Snyder is kind of Christ haunted. You can go back through a bunch of his movies and there are very much uh, very earnest um, visual references to Jesus, including Superman being in outer space with his arms spread. And, and that's just one of several. And so I think that the man has a fascination with Jesus. And even with this Joker thing, if he ends up doing something weird and offensive, something's going on here. So I would say, you know what? Pray for Zack Snyder. Pray that whatever that Christ hauntedness is, that Jesus will get a hold of him even more because he's an influential, influential voice in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for going that direction. That was exactly what I had hoped. All right. Uh, Star Trek, which um, <laughs> I like the old ones. Star Trek, right? lo Lower Decks, Utopia. Like, I don't know. What is going I need a whole splainer. I didn't even okay. know there were, like, animated Star Trek spinoff things. What's going on? Well, Star Trek Lower Decks uh, is a new show, and Gene Roddenberry, who created the Star Trek universe, basically wanted to create a nice, pristine, clean, utopian, better version of humanity. And of course, Star Trek came out in the late 1960s. Um, in some ways, I would say if you almost a trans, in... almost a transhuman, because right. when the, all those creatures get together, they're certainly not all human, and yet they're no. still the evil Klingons. Right. No, they're still evil. Um, Roddenberry had a very clean distinction between good and evil, and I think you could give him credit in saying he wanted to imagine at least the good guys being really good. Um, now, obviously, things have gotten darker in a lot of ways since the 1960s and, and Roddenberry died in 1991 and the whole franchise has gotten grittier since then but there still remains this sort of utopian impulse uh, and Lower Decks sort of ironically pokes fun at that because it has a bunch of really imperfect characters and it's unlike anything we've ever seen in the Star Trek universe in that it's closer to something like you know South Park or you know, pick your pick of current animated shows, and they're all pretty irreverent. Um, and the point of this article is we're supposed to laugh at their peccadillos, their small sins. Um, but the point the article makes is that actually there aren't any small sins, uh, and that maybe the show does us a favor in trying to sort of crack a joke. What it actually does is open up a conversation to the topic of sin. And how does sin affect us? How does it affect our relationships? And so this is an interesting article. 
on uh, the website christinpopculture.com that kind of unpacks that. And that's certainly what we try to do at Plugged In is connect the dots in ways that you can have conversations with not only your family, but the people in your world. Um, we didn't particularly like Lower Decks. It's it's pretty irreverent. I think there are better platforms to talk about spiritual issues, but this is an interesting take on it. Okay. And then um, most everybody is now familiar that Amazon has uh, canceled not only books that you might want to buy and read, but also canceled some uh, video programming. They, uh, they most recently um, have, have sort of been uh, outed for canceling a documentary on Justice Clarence Thomas. What's going yeah. on there? Well, the, to- the documentary is called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. And um, the folks that made it got in touch with Amazon and said, hey, can you let us know what's going on here? And they haven't responded. And I think we're seeing this more and more that things that that do not fit a progressive left orthodoxy are just being sort of summarily executed in the pop culture. They're just being removed without explanation. And, you know, going back to what you were talking about with First Peter, I think more and more for those that control the levers of power in technology and entertainment and media, um, they're just, you know, hitting the eject button on stuff that doesn't fit the narrative. And uh, there are a lot of people out there who don't like Clarence Thomas, that is for sure, uh, because he doesn't, you know, hew to what people think he should hew to in terms of a progressive and a racial narrative. And so uh, we don't really know, but this is just the latest example of Amazon using its power as a private company to say, no, we're not going to promote that. See, I knew you could explain it to me, um, what's happening. Um, When we talk about streaming platforms, I guess I'm wondering, you know, is there not a place for this uh, Clarence Thomas documentary to be hosted on another platform that folks might then easily watch? I mean, they're ubiquitous. They seem ubiquitous. Well, they are ubiquitous, but the problem is, um, and and we saw this when Parler, the, uh, you know, the conversation, the sort of conservative Twitter app, it was hosted on Amazon servers. And so even if it's not these companies that are actually promoting it themselves, a lot of times they still have a role in controlling the total infrastructure for distribution. Uh, And so I don't see an easy way around that. And my guess is, and I haven't done a search, you can still find this somewhere else. So, um, you know, these things are still out there, but when the biggest distributor says, no, we're not going to carry it. Amazon sells 85% of the books in America. So when they decide not to sell a book, it's a lot harder for you to find it. Uh, Now, I might say, maybe we should all start looking elsewhere to sort of influence that reality. Um, But that's another conversation for another time. Uh, But that's, that's the reality of it is that even these big players have huge controlling interests in the technological infrastructure. So I don't see that this is a problem that's going away anytime soon. Agreed. All right, that's Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Carmen. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right, it seems that everybody is angry about something. You're probably angry about something. I've probably made you angry about something. What's at the heart of anger? And what happens when we arrive at the place where, you know, frankly, we're just angry all the time about everything? 
We're going to talk about anger and why it matters. Biblical portraits of human anger leaving room for an angry God. Steps to diffusing human anger. And then what does it look like to find joy in the peace of Christ? All of that in the heart of anger with Christopher Ash. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All righty, on this Sunday evening coming up, March the 7th at 7 p.m., uh, I am going to be engaged in a live stream event with Nicole Phillips. We are going to be doing that on the Faith Radio YouTube page and the Faith Radio Facebook page. It's called Called to Kindness. It's part of our Kindness Always initiative. You can find out all of the information at myfaithradio.com backslash live stream event or really, really, really simply, just text the word event to 877-933-2484. Text the word event to 877-933-2484, and you'll get all the bounce back info you need. uh, And you can share it with others. That'd be really great. All right. Next up, uh, we are going to have a conversation about the book, The Heart of Anger. Uh, You're going to really enjoy this. Christopher Ash is a delight. We'll be right back. This is Max Locato. My friend Keith took his wife Sarah to Cozumel, Mexico to celebrate their anniversary. Sarah loves to snorkel. Down she swims, searching for the mysteries below. Keith's idea of snorkeling includes a belly board. The surface satisfies him. Sarah, however, convinced him to plunge into the water where she showed him a 20-foot-tall submerged cross. If I'd have had another breath, he confessed, the sight would have taken it away. Jesus beckons you to descend and see the same. Take a breath and descend so deeply into his love that you see nothing else. This is Max Locato. Joining me now, Christopher Ash. The book is The Heart of Anger. Christopher is a writer in residence at Tyndall House in Cambridge. He's also a full-time preacher and speaker, uh, a husband, a dad, a granddad, got all, a church planner. He got all kinds of things going on. Christopher, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good to be with you. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. So um, one of the things that we like to say here at uh, at the Faith Radio Network is we're not angry at anybody, but we recognize that we certainly operate in a world where people are angry about a lot of things. So really appreciating your book. Let's talk about, let's just, let's just jump right in um, to anger and why it matters. Why does this topic, the heart of anger, matter for us as Christians today? I guess there are two kinds of answer. One is we, we see a lot of anger in public life, but we know that behind our own closed doors, there are times when even the most nice and gentle looking of us um, get angry and it does damage. It harms. We've all got memories of times when we or others have been angry and it's harmed a relationship. But the, probably the deeper one is that Jesus says that sinful anger is a root of murder. 
and comes under the judgment of God. And it's hard to to see how we can not take that seriously. So it really, really matters. And in my experience, people who think that they're not angry uh, still sometimes find that they are and struggle with sinful anger. I do. People wouldn't think of me as an angry person. But there are times when I'm very angry and sometimes it's not at all good. I, I find, um, Christopher, that my anger erupts. And that's when I recognize that it's there and it, I haven't tended to it in appropriate ways. And so uh, thank you for that. Let's, um, let's jump into part one of the book. There are some biblical portraits of human anger, um, and, you, and you talk about those. Share with folks, um, you know, kind of what your, the soil that you're tilling in part one of the book. Yes, gladly. I, I, work, I wrote this book with Steve Midgley, who's the director of Biblical Counseling UK, and uh, I prepared some talks in which I read or skim read the whole Bible, really, looking for the Bible's teaching on anger. And I identified a number of things which crop up again and again. One is control. So King Saul was very angry when his control of his kingdom was threatened by David. King Herod was furious when it was threatened by Jesus. And the desire to be in control was one big thing. Sexual intimacy was a big one, um, the, the, the right desire of a husband and wife to guard their intimacy and the anger that's aroused when that's threatened. And in other darker contexts, uh, sex can be a very powerful driver of anger. So that cropped up again and again. Pride and reputation kept cropping up. Balaam is very angry with his donkey because his donkey makes a fool of him. King Xerxes is furious when Queen Vashti makes a fool of him at the beginning of the book of Esther. If somebody makes a fool of me, it makes me angry. So those are three of the biggest things that um, I, I noticed in the scriptures, which, which stir uh, sinful anger or mostly sinful anger. It's quite a quite a story, really. Reading through the Bible, it was sobering. Well, and then you deal in part two. And again, I'm talking with Christopher Ash about uh, his new book, The Heart of Anger. Um, and we're really talking about, you know, transforming our understanding uh, of, of anger, um, its role in our lives, but also how it can be good. So there's only, you know, like one kind of good anger, and that's sort of a God anger. Um, talk with us about part two, leaving room for an angry God. Yes, thanks, Carmen. I was really struck when studying the whole Bible that more than half the times anger is talked about, it's the anger or wrath of God, which is so different from our anger. It's, it's pure, it's holy, based on perfect knowledge. Everything about it is different from our sinful anger. So this really isn't an anti-anger book, because that whole section about the anger of God, uh, as seen in the anger of Jesus, Jesus was so angry in the synagogue in Mark's gospel against uh, human hard-heartedness. He was angry when his father was uh, disgraced in the temple his temple cleansings. He was angry at the grave of Lazarus at, at sin and death. And it's a very wholesome thing to, to study and meditate on the 
good anger of God as seen in the good anger of Jesus. And it's a really important part of, 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 of thinking what the Bible teaches about anger. We easily just skip to what's wrong with our anger. There's plenty of that. But it's good to think what's right about good anger. I think that for most of us, um, Christopher, it's, it's where there, there might even be a righteous beginning to my anger, but it often, I often allow it to devolve and then become or yield a very unrighteous outcome. Um, you know, and so I thought this particular part of the book was really, really helpful in sort of regaining a perspective um, on anger uh, and really leaving, really leaving it to God, um, who knows so much more about everything than I do. You're, um, you're yeah, so right. You're so right on that. I tell a silly little story. I was walking on a sidewalk and just crossing a road and a driver turned into that road without signalling. And I was angry with them. And part of my anger was righteous. They shouldn't do that. It's dangerous. But partly I was angry because I had been inconvenienced. And it's so that it's that sort of toxic mixture of good and bad. So you're absolutely right. I am talking with Christopher Ash. We're going to continue our conversation about the heart of anger in just a moment. We're going to when we come back, we're going to talk about the first steps in diffusing human anger. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continue my conversation with Christopher Ash. He is the co-author, along with Steve Migley, of The Heart of Anger, How the Bible Transforms Anger in Our Understanding and Experience. Um, Christopher, I want to I want to touch on parts three and four of the book, and then I really want to spend um, a few minutes in what my readers know um, is often my favorite part of every book, which are the appendices. And I want to share with people uh, at least part of the checklist for our anger in Appendix 1. Um, so let's talk about part three of the book, first steps in diffusing human anger. Like, whoo, where do I start? Ah, well, my co-author, Steve Midgley, uh, because he's a biblical counselor, he wrote this section three, really practical on how we, we, we realize to start with that our anger is always based on imperfect knowledge. Uh, Potiphar was very angry with Joseph uh, because he didn't know what had really happened. And we get angry with people. We don't understand what's really going on. We don't know all the facts. So that's a good first step, just to remind myself that I don't know all the facts. I don't know what's what lies behind the, what somebody's said or done. The second is a, a wonderful chapter that Steve wrote with an example from parenting and how the anger, I can remember this when I was a, a young dad, uh, the anger that I experienced was partly the result that I was making an idol of my children's development. I had my idea of how they would turn out. I wanted them to reflect well on me. And I was angry if it looked as though they weren't going to do that. So it was actually idolatry that lay behind my anger. And it's good to identify that, begin to see what's going on in my own heart. And then there's a chapter on what I think Ed Welch called the madness of anger. Mm -hmm. Just the, the flying off the handle, those times when you just lose it. 
and uh, beginning to discover what's really going on. You take a step back and you, 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 you take some time, as Psalm 4 says, on your beds. You know, you give, take some time out. Uh, you switch off Twitter and all the things that might stir you up. And you take some time out in the presence of God to, to think what's going on in your heart. So those were some of the steps that we tried to identify. We tried to make it a book that was deeply rooted in the Bible, but also earthed in, in real experience. Oh, yeah, it's intensely practical. Um, part four of the book is Find Joy in the Peace of Christ. There you will, uh, you will discover uh, chapters on you know, a new desire in Christ, a new crowd in Christ, a new peace in Christ, a new power in Christ, a new humbling from Christ, a new love from Christ, uh, and wisdom in Christ. It's just, um, that's really, I think, you know, in terms of giving new life uh, and helping us find new expression, um, you know, I, I think this is the section of the book where I was just reminded, you know, it's one thing to want to get rid of something for something to be expelled from my life. But if that is not being actively replaced by the better thing, by the right thing, by the righteous thing, um, then the old thing is going to creep back in. And so uh, I thought this was really, really helpful. The expulsive power of a new affection. Yes, yes, it's exactly that. And I think one of the big things we were trying to say in the book is that actually, Although anger management strategies can be good, uh, often there's sensible things in them, ultimately only Christ can get to the heart of changing our anger, as only Christ can get to the heart of changing anything sinful um, in my heart. So in a way, that part four was the, the key to the book, finding joy in the peace of Christ, how Christ changes our hearts and our desires and what matters most to us. Uh, how how Christ gives us in the church a fellowship of those who together begin to be changed by Christ. How he begins to give us a new peace as we trust him, a new power by the Holy Spirit. How he humbles us. I keep coming back to Matthew 18 and how the unforgiving servant had to be deeply humbled if he was going to learn uh, what he needed to learn. And how only Christ can put a real love in our in our hearts. So uh, I love that final section, and I really want people to read that. Right. Yeah. This is a, this is a book that if you want to, you can read in reverse, which would mean you could start with the appendices. Um, which uh, my listeners know, Christopher, uh, ind- index indexes, uh, indices, appendices, lists, litanies. These are my favorite parts of books. And so, um, thank you for the checklist for our anger. Um, it seems to me that the checklist is identify, consult, explore. Let's pause briefly in the identify part because anger can be expressed in so many different ways. And what you're helping us do here is, okay, I am, uh, how is it evident? It's not always hatred. It can be many, many other things in terms of the way that it's expressed. Yes, that's right. So it's the thing that I think Augustine once said that that as, as Christian people, we don't just ask whether somebody's angry, we ask why they're angry. Mm-hmm. What's going on underneath? And it's that digging down. Is it really that I'm, I care passionately for the honor of God in his world? It may be to some extent, although it's usually a mixture. 
Or is it that I could care about my own reputation or my own comfort or my own pleasure? What is it that lies beneath my anger? There's always a reason of some kind, even if it may be a complicated mix. So we were we were trying to help readers to 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 to, to have that discipline of digging down and, and and thinking, what is it that lies beneath my anger? It's easy to see what it looks like and what it sounds like. But what, what lies underneath? What's the root? Or what are the roots of the anger? So that's one thing that the appendix was was really trying to do. Yeah, it's really so good. Um, I, I actually, in mine, added a couple of words to the list because sometimes I just have a basic fear underlying mm. an anger. And sometimes the fear is an anticipation of something I'm going to lose. But grief mm. is also sometimes a source of anger for me. Like I'm I'm grieving that something isn't the way that I imagine it is supposed to be or should be. And um, so I think that there are, uh, you know, unmet expectations. There's just so many things that can underlie our anger. Um, and getting to the place where we can identify that is so healthy and helpful. So then mm -hmm. we uh, consult, which I think is hugely important and often neglected. Um, but then let's also talk about the explore section, because you give us five really, really good questions to ask. Yes, I, it, it, it's really trying to, to point to the future for people to say, what mm -hmm. questions can I ask? What can I ask of myself uh, that will really help me to move forward? We want it to be a hopeful book, a book in which, uh, in which there is practical hope in Christ that I can actually change. That's our prayer. Mm. So um, one of the curious things on this list, I'm going to read the five questions. Are you angry when things feel out of your control? Well, yeah, because I'm a control freak. So that's, there's no question about that one. Um, are material possessions a source of your anger? This is a very, I had to really, really explore that. That was a really curious question to me. And I, for me, the answer is no. Um, is your anger ever related to sexual desire or sexual frustration? No for me, but I totally get and understand that one and have been in um, you know, in, in in relationships where that's definitely the the truth. Um, do you get angry when people dislike you or speak ill of you? I used to. So this is one of those areas of my life where I can point back and I have a testimony. I have a testimony on question number four. Um, and that was kind of exhilarating to discover. Like, oh, yes, that used to be true of me. No, that is no longer true of me. How did that happen? So yes. that one was really good. And the number five, wow. is there any crowd or group of companions that seems to encourage your anger? There is no question that the answer to that is yes. I can feel it, it rising with certain groups of people and not with other groups of people or in certain social media contexts and not in others. So that one was a huge like, aha, I need to flag that. I need to watch for that. That needs to be a place where I stick a post in the ground um, and I recognize what's going on. Yes, that's really important, isn't it? It's like the riot in 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 um, Ephesians, in Acts chapter nineteen, in Ephesus, um, where where people were so angry. Some of them didn't even know quite why they were there, but the anger was infectious, and made them angry. So so recognizing the the impact of a crowd, and of course you get it digitally, don't you, all the time, all the on, time on Twitter and things like that. 
All right. This book is such a blessing. Um, it ends with this appendix uh, on a devotional response to our anger, which is such a gift. That could just be, we could just retell that same um, uh, expression of devotion every single day. It's just so good. All right. It's The Heart of Anger. Uh, Christopher Ash is co is a co-author of the book. It's just fantastic. It's from our friends at Crossway. You guys should check it out. Christopher, thank you so very much. Thank you for having me on the show. What a blessing. God we'll be right back. You, you too. Oh. Paul says, I have now run over my last break. So here we go. I am simply going to invite you to uh, the live stream on Sunday night in order to get all of the information about it. You just text the word event. Text the word event to the same number I always give you, 877-933-2484. Text the word event to that number, and you'll get um, all the information that you need to get engaged in the live stream event on Sunday night, which I am uh, hosting with Nicole Phillips. We're going to talk about kindness. Yeah, we're going to give some kindness merch away. It's going to be really fun. We're going to hear your kindness stories. So plan to join us from 7 to 8 p.m. Central. Sunday night, March the 7th, um, and you can get all the information that you need by texting the word EVENT to 877-933-2484 or just visit MyFaithRadio.com and you can click on the live stream event information right there as well. All right. Thank you. It's been a great day. It's been a great week. It's been a great month. It's already being a great year. Why? Because we're getting to do so much of it together. So thank you so much for including this in your day. I'm praying for you. You be praying for me. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.